0: of the things to be, the pains that are withheld for me, I realize and I can see
1: that suicide is painless, it brings
0: on many changes. Hey MASH fans, welcome back to another episode of the MASH 4077th podcast. I am one of your co host Kenny, and joining me as always, my good pal Simon i thought i'd throw that's that awesome. one in throw that one in there yeah that was good very very good well done uh we promised that al-, al would be joining us but unfortunately he's extremely busy and he wasn't able to join us for this one this is why it's this one mm. so late as well because we kept trying to come up with a date and uh, nothing ever worked so we just decided to move on uh i'm sure we'll bring him back for something if we do something special down the road but uh for now you just got meds and i
1: i've come out of retirement
0: <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> Today we're going to be discussing MASH the Movie. It was released on January 25th, 1970 here in the U.S. by 20th Century Fox. It's directed by Robert Altman. Based on the novel written by Richard Hooker, also known as Richard Hornberger Jr., he was born February 1st, 1924 and died November 4th, 1997. The screenplay was by Ring Ladner Jr. It has a total running time of 116 minutes, the budget was $3.5 million, and the domestic box office was $81.6 so you could say it made a little money.
1: I, I think it, yeah, I think 20th Century Fox was
0: very pleased with it. Extremely, yes. <laughs> yeah. Radar! Yes, sir! Why I you guess gonna hold I a tell him we're going to have a couple of surgeons over from the day shift out of the night shift. I'm ship. putting a call in in General, General Hammond, Hammond and Saul. I gonna have hope he saves those right two new We're sure going to need them. What was that, sir? I give everything to Radar. What?
1: Uh, So the basic plot summary of this this film. uh, The personnel at the 4077 MASH unit deal with the horrors of the Korean War and the stresses faced in surgery by whatever means. The tone at the MASH is established by recent arrivals, surgeons Captain Hawkeye Pierce and Duke Forrest, along with Trapper John McIntyre, the latter who Hawkeye knows he's met somewhere. But Trapper, who won't divulge where and whose antics can be best described as non-regulation, and in the negative words of one of their fellow mashers, unmilitary. The unit's commanding officer, Colonel Henry Blake, doesn't care about this behaviour as long as it doesn't affect him, and as long as they do their job and do it well, which they do. Their behaviour does extremely bother fellow surgeon Major Frank Burns, and recently arrived head nurse Major Margaret O'Houlihan, who obtains the nickname... Hot Lips, based on information they glean about her through underhanded means. Beyond their battles with Frank and Hot Lips, Hawkeye Duke and or Trapper help Eunice Dentist Painless with a personal crisis, try to figure out if Hot Lips is a true blonde, travel to Japan for work and what they hope is a recreational trip, and hope to win big on a football bet against another unit, in which they, on the surface, are the underdogs. And dear God, protect our supreme commander on the field and our commander in chief in Washington, D.C.
0: Frank, were you on this religious kick at home or did you crack up over here? Uh, Frank, how long does this show go on? It gets longer all the time. Now I have your soul to pray for
1: and Captain Pierce's.
0: All right. And guest stars. Meds went all out with these. (laughs) There's lots of information about these guest stars. So let's start off with Donald Sutherland. He plays Hawkeye Pierce. Donald McNichol Sutherland was born the 17th... Well, you do these European way. The 17th (laughs) of July, 1935, uh, is a Canadian actor whose film career spans more than 55 years. He's been nominated for eight Golden Globe Awards, winning two for his performance in the television film Citizen X from 1995 and Path to War 2002. The former also earned him a Primetime Emmy Award. An inductee of the Hollywood Walk of Fame and Canadian Walk of Fame, he also received the Canadian Academy Award for the drama film Threshold from 81. Multiple film critics and media outlets have cited him as one of the best actors never to have received an Academy Award nomination. In 2017, he received an Academy Honorary Award for his contribution to cinema. In 2021, he won the Critics' Choice Television Award for Best Supporting Actor in a Movie Miniseries for his work in the H- HBO miniseries The Undoing, which aired in 2020. Sutherland rose to fame after starring in films including The Dirty Dozen in 67, Kelly's Heroes in 70, Klute in 71, Don't Look Now in 73, Fellini's Casanova in 76, 1900 in 76, The Eagle Has Landed in 76. Ooh, he's busy in 76. (laughs) Animal House in 78, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, that's where I remember him from, in 78- Ordinary People in 80. Oh, he was good in that too. Uh, An Eye of the Needle in 81. He later went on to star in many other films where he appeared either in leading or supporting roles such as A Dry White Season in 89, JFK in 91, Outbreak in 95, A Time to Kill in 96, Without Limits in 98, Big Shot's Funeral in 2001, The Italian Job in 2003, Cold Mountain in 2003. Pride and Prejudice in 2005, Aurora Borealis in 2006, and The Hunger Games franchise from 2012 to 2015. He's a, a, an amazing actor. He's done a huge amounts of work. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was also in The Great Escape, uh, but he's in the he's in the background of it, and he's in a, a few films yeah. before The Dirty Dozen. In fact, he got The Dirty Dozen. Uh, he turned up in two episodes of The Saint, which is a British television series starring Roger Moore, and in one uh-huh. of the latter episodes of that, Roger Moore directed it. And he asked Roger Moore to show it to the people who were making the Dirty Dozen. And because of that, he got the role in Dirty Dozen. And since then, nice. you know, he, uh, he got quite famous for it. So uh, he, Roger Moore, yeah. once again, it comes to the... Comes to the hero. <laughs> nice. Uh, so I've got Elliot Gould. Now Elliot Gould plays trapper John McIntyre. Elliot Gould, uh Nee Goldstein, born August the 29th, 1938, an American actor, obviously. And he began acting in Hollywood films during the 1960s. In addition to his performance in the comedy Bob and Cowell and Ted and Alice in 1969, for which he received a nomination for the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. Gould is perhaps best known in The Long Goodbye in 73 and California Split in 74. Other notable film roles include Little Murders 1971, Ingmar Bergman's The Touch in 71, Capricorn One 78, The Silent Partner 78, Bugsy 91, and American History X in 1998. He also had recurring roles as Jack Geller on the television series Friends from 94 to 2004. Yeah, that's
0: who- that's who I know him from. He'll always be yeah. Jack Keller.
1: I, I think a lot of, <laughs> a lot of people do recognize that. It's a long goodbye I know him from, but uh but yeah, yeah. I think a lot of uh, a lot of people know him from friends. Current people, yeah. Oh yeah. He was also as Ruben Tishkoff in the Oceans film series, uh from two thousand and one, two thousand four, two thousand seven, and two thousand nineteen. And as Ezra Goldman on the television series
0: Ray Donovan from two thousand and thirteen to two thousand and sixteen. Very cool. I have Sally Kellerman who played Margaret Hot Lips (laughs) Ohulahan, Sally Claire Kellerman, born June 5th, 1937, Kellerman's acting career spanned over 60 years. Her role as Major Margaret Hot Lips Ohulahan in Robert Altman's film MASH in 1970 earned her an Oscar nomination for Best Actress in a Supporting Role. I thought that was well-deserved, but we'll get into it when we start talking about the the thing. Uh, After MASH, she appeared in a number of director's projects... The films Brewster McCloud in nineteen seventy, Welcome to L.A. nineteen seventy six, produced by Altman, directed by his protege Alan Rudolph, the player in ninety two, and Pretty Border in nineteen ninety four, and the short lived anthology TV series Gun in ninety seven. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> in addition to her work with Altman, Kellerman has appeared in films such as Last of the Red Hot Lovers in 72, Back to School in 86, plus many television series such as The Twilight Zone in 63, Outer Limits in 65, Star Trek in 66, Bonanza in 66, and 1970, The Minor Accomplishment of Jackie Woodman in 2006, 90210 in 2008, chemistry in 2011 and marion in 2013 she also voiced miss finch in sesame streets presents follow that bird in
1: 85 <laughs> i think a lot of people recognize her from star trek in that uh, quite scary episode where she has silver eyes in it along with that other bloke who was yes mate oh my that's
0: god a- it's so funny i didn't even put two and two together you're right i yeah. do now know who she is from that
1: yeah <laughs>
0: well, that's funny
1: Scary episode. Uh, Robert Duvall. Wowzers! Robert Duvall. He plays Frank Burns. Robert Sutherland Duvall, born January the 5th, 1931. American actor and filmmaker whose career spans more than seven decades. He is the recipient God. of an Academy Award, four Golden Globe Awards, BAFTA Award, two Primetime Emmy Awards and a Screen Actors Guild Award. DeVal has starred in numerous films and television series, including The Twilight Zone, The Outer Limits, The FBI, Bullet, True Grit, Joe Kidd, The Godfather, of course, is well-known for The Godfather, Godfather Part 2, yeah. The Conversation, Network, Apocalypse Now, which I think he steals the film, uh, The Grand Santini, Tender Mercies. Uh, this earned him a, uh, the Academy Award for Best Actor. The Natural in 1984, Colors, Lonesome Dove, the Handmaid's Tale in 1990, Days of Thunder, oh dear, 1990, uh, Rambling Rose, uh, Falling Down, brilliant film, 93, Secondhand Lions in 2003, The Judge 2004, and Windows in 2018. And he still looks incredibly good for his age.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Such a such an amazing career. Oh yeah, it's crazy that you know these people back then. I guess they weren't that big back then, but. Mm. What they've done since the movie is just incredible.
1: Yeah, I think this, this movie does have a does kind of like hold a hold a lot of hands in his cards for for pushing yeah. people's careers. Definitely.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. All right, next up we have Roger Bowen, who played Henry Blake. Roger Wendell Bowen, born May twenty fifth, nineteen thirty two. Unfortunately, passed away February sixteenth, nineteen ninety six. Was an American comedic actor and novelist. His big movie break came in nineteen seventy when he landed the role of Lieutenant Colonel. Henry Blake, in Robert Altman's film MASH. Bowen had, in fact, served in the U.S. Army in Korea, albeit after the Korea War had ended. After serving in Japan as a special agent in the Counterintelligent Corps' 441st CIC Detachment, Beppu Field Office, from 1957 to 58, Bowen was sent to... To the 308th CIC detachment in Seoul, South Korea, in 1958. After Mash, Bowen returned to television and gained a fan following as Hamilton Major Jr., the pleasantly snooty and supportive Ivy League boss of Herschel Bernardi on the television sitcom Arnie from 1970 to 72. He then joined the cast of The Brian Keith Show, then returned to TV commercials and smaller movie roles. In 1976, Bowen appeared in the TV parody film. Tunnel Vision, doing a convincing Henry Kissinger impersonation that he was often asked to perform at parties around Hollywood. Mm. The film featured a galaxy of comedic stars including Chevy Chase, John Candy, Howard Henson, and Joe Flannery. But Bowen received top billing as the others were still relatively unknown at the time. Bowen also played minor roles in such films as Heaven Can Wait from 78, The Main Event from 79, and Zapped from 82. Bone was a tournament chess player who participated in several events in the 1970s.
1: And now we have René Auberjon, who plays Father John Mulcahy. Uh, born rene Murat Aubajan on June 1st, 1940. He sadly passed away December the 8th, 2019. American actor and director, best known for playing Odo on Star Trek Deep Space Nine from 1993 to 1999. He first achieved fame as a stage actor, winning the Tony Award for Best Featured Actor in a Musical in 1970 for his portrayal of Sebastian Bay opposite Katherine Hepburn in the Andre Previn, Alan J. Lerner musical Coco. He went on to earn three more Tony nominations for performances in Neil Simon's The Good Doctor, 73, Roger Miller's Big River, 85, and Cy Coleman's City of Angels in 1989. He won a Drama Desk Award for Big River. I also remember him as being in Police Academy uh, 5, I think, and it was terrible.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, he was also in a TV series called Benson. Benson, okay. Uh, Yeah, that's that's where I first introduced him. And then when he came on DS9, obviously I know him from DS9. Um, All right. Next up, we have David Arkin. He played Sergeant Major Volmer. Uh, David Arkin, born December 24th, 1941, died January 14th, 1991, was an American actor known for his numerous supporting appearances in the films of Robert Altman. These roles were part of Altman's frequent ensemble and included Staff Sergeant Volomare in MASH, where he also wrote and voiced the PA announcements. Harry in The Long Goodbye in 73, Norman in Nashville 75, and the Mailman slash Police Officer in Popeye in 1980.
1: And Tom Skerritt plays Captain Augustus Bedford Duke Forrest. Thomas Roy Skerritt, born August 25, 1933, an American actor who has appeared in more than 40 films and more than 200 television episodes since 1962. He is known for his film roles, obviously MASH, Alien, The Dead Zone, Top Gun, A River Runs Through It and Up In Smoke and the television series Picket Fences. Skerritt has earned several nominations and awards, including a Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Drama Series in 1993 for *Picket Fences*.
0: And then we have Joanne Flug uh, as Lieutenant Maria Dish Schneider. Uh, Joanne Flug, born May 2nd, 1940, is an American film and television actress. Flug was also a frequent panelist in the television game show Match Game from 73 until 1981, a co-host with Alan Funt on the 1970s version of Candid Camera and a regular in the TV series The Fall Guy from 81 to 82 season. In 1984, she was the first actress to play Taylor Chaplin in the syndicated soap opera Rituals. She made guest appearances on many television series including McCloud, The Love Boat, Chips, Dukes of Hazards, One Day at a Time, Knight Rider, Love America Style, Adam 12, Quincy M.E., Alias Smith & Jones, Charlie's Angels, and the Colbys. And I've got Gabby Burgoff who plays Corporal Roger R. Reilly. Rich Burgoff, born May 24th,
1: 1943, American actor, whose course is known for originating the role of Charlie Brown in the 1967 off-Broadway musical You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. And a character, of course, that we're talking about today called Paul Eugene Wadar O'Reilly in the film MASH and, of course, for the TV series. He was a regular on-television game show, Match Game, from 74 to 75, for 140 episodes, standing in for Charles Nelson Reilly, who was in New York doing a Broadway play, but continued to make recurring appearances afterwards.
0: And then I have... Fred Williamson, who played Dr. Oliver Spearchecker-Jones. Frederick Robert Williamson, born March 5th, 1938, also known as The Hammer, is an American actor and former professional American football defensive back who played mainly in the American Football League during the 1960s. Williamson is perhaps best known for his film career, starring as Tommy Gibbs in the 73 crime drama film Black Caesar, and its sequel, Hell Up in Harlem. Williamson also had other notable roles in other black exploitation films, such as Hammer in '72, The Man Bolt in '73. And three the hard way in 74.
1: And John Schuck plays Captain Painless Waldowski. Conrad John Shook Jr., born February the 4th, 1940, an American actor, primarily in stage, movies and television. So that, that ticks all them boxes, isn't <laughs> it? Um, he is best known for his role as Sergeant Charles Enright in the 1970s crime genre Macmillan and Wife. He also played Herman Munster in the late 1980s, early 1990s sitcom The Munsters Today, in which he reprises the role originated by Fred Gwynn in the 1960s sitcom The Munsters.
0: Yeah, that's where I remember him from. And then we have Carl Gottlieb, who played Ugly John. Carl Gottlieb, born March 18, 1938, is an American screenwriter, actor, comedian, and executive. He is best known for his co-writing, the screenplay for Jaws in 75, and its first two sequels, as well as directing the 1981 film Caveman.
1: Bud Court plays Private Boone. Walter Edward Court, born March 29, 1948, known professionally as Budcourt. He's an American actor and comedian, known for his portrayals of Harold in Hal Ashby's film Harold and Maud 1971, and the eponymous hero in Robert Altman's film Brewster McCloud* in
0: 1970. And then we have G. Wood, who played Brigadier General Hammond. George Wood, born December 31st, 1919 died July 24, 2000, was an American film and television actor usually billed as G. Wood. Wood was born in Forest City, Arkansas. He was one of four actors to appear in both the 1970 film M.A.S.H. and the television series M.A.S.H. The other three being Timothy Brown, Corey Fisher, and Gary Berkhoff, of course. In both the film and the television series, Wood played General Hammond. Oh, that's cool. He played the same character. The character was dropped mm. after the show's first season. He also played the psychiatrist in the film Harold and Maude.
1: Uh, Danny Goldman plays Captain Murhard. Daniel Goldman, October the 30th, 1939, passed away April the 12th, 2020, was an American actor and casting director. He was most widely recognised as the voice of Brainy Smurf in Hanna-Barbera's The Smurfs from 1981 to 1989.
0: And then we have an honorable mention in here. We have uh, Sylvester Stallone as a soldier in the catering area. (laughs) He's uncredited and it's not mentioned, but it's been mentioned by lots of the actors that he was there. He was an extra. So we just thought we'd throw that in there.
1: Yes. Now, Sylvester Stallone never talks about his uh, extra work, except for this film yeah. um, Robert Altman though funny enough turns around and says that he, he, he does not believe Sylvester Stallone was in his film but uh, I don't think Robert Altman remembers everybody who was in it yeah. uh, he did say to Elliot Gould that he was in the film and there is a, uh, a short picture there is a picture online of Sylvester Stallone uh, in the background
0: in the mess tent yeah so if you look have a look at that you can see it yeah yeah and that is it for guest stars can you believe it this was like half of the list I initially had the <laughs> full yeah. list of actors and, and it was huge so I mean I just kind of I didn't pick and choose I just kind of picked the top half because I figured those were the most important <laughs> but holy yeah, moly yeah I edited it I just, I just cut that script down and am there going I'm not, I'm not <laughs> doing all this
1: this <laughs> ain't on it's ridiculous <laughs> it's crazy that's him I'm
0: Hawkeye Pierce. Yeah, see? So all I can get out of him is he's from Baston and he'd been in the Army two months. I uh, Yeah, that's all. Not well, listen, uh were you when you were drafted? I was just curious. Back home, I told you before. No, I mean, what were you doing? Were you like a resident or on staff someplace? Mm. Where? Hospital. Which hospital? Back home. Is there some reason I shouldn't know which hospital? I don't know. I will ask. Is there some reason my friend should not know the name of the hospital? (laughs) There doesn't appear to be any reason. I've seen you somewhere before. I don't know your name, stranger, but your face is familiar. You always have that mustache. (laughs) Are you a beer drinker, sir? Would you like to share a martini with me? Martini? I'd love a martini. Oh, John, give the gentleman a martini. I think you will find these accommodating. They're quite dry. Don't you use olives? Olives? Where the hell do you think you are, man? We do have to make certain concessions to the war. We're three miles from the front line. Yes, but a man can't really savor his martini without an olive, you know. Otherwise, you see, it just doesn't quite make it. All right, uh, I think uh, we're going to start discussing the film finally. I'll tell you, well, let's, let's just talk about it. Okay, let's yeah, that's, the, that, that's good, it. yeah. yeah well, so First of all, I okay. saw this probably 40 years ago when I was, I mean, I don't remember, I remember bits and pieces of it, you know, I remember like the big scenes, because I, you know, like like the shower curtain falling, mm. or I remember the, the, <laughs> the funeral for the guy, you know, I remember bits yes. and pieces of it, but I honestly went into this really watching it for the first time, because I had really no recollection Oh wow yeah yeah um oh, okay okay yeah and really i i was like i watched it and i'm like i can't figure out what the story is, Are there, is there, <laughs> No,
1: there is, is there? there's hardly any story in
0: no it. it's just like a, it's like i don't mind these i like kind of like the day in the life this is like five months in mm. during the korean war at a Ash unit and yeah. this is what happens you know and the little antics they get up to but yeah i i was i was surprised because it's it's so different than the series but we can definitely get into mm. more detail. So what were your initial yeah. thoughts on it?
1: Well, I mean, I saw this before I saw the TV series. Yeah. So um to, to but, me, but this recently, was like, have uh, you seen it recently or did no, you see no, it no. when it first came out? Uh, well I didn't see it in 1970 because I wasn't born until 73. <laughs> um, but I, I, I saw this on, on TV before I saw the MASH TV series. So to me, this was the first my first experience okay. of MASH. Okay. Um, which which is why I think because this film is—I mean, this film is quite different than the the early parts of the TV series. In, in fact, Robert Altman hated the TV series, but I, I came into Mash towards the end of Mash. So my Mash, like as anyone who's listened to our podcast knows, um, is is the later episodes with with Colonel Potter, with BJ, mm-hmm. with with, uh, with Winchester. And at that point, what Alan Alda had changed, you know, he'd become more influential in MASH. And so the MASH TV series, although it had many kind of ellipses, was a lot more serious. It had a lot more kind of things about anti-war. It was a lot more about how war was terrible. And it had much more about, you know, women's rights kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think coming from MASH the movie uh, and then watching t- the TV series of MASH, I actually found them to be slightly similar to, to a certain mm. degree, apart from... You know, the actors being different and the set being slightly different, it mm-hmm. is virtually, you know, the same when you when you look at it. Um so I, I kind of like was was in a bit of a lucky move because for me it was virtually the same, you know. Yeah. And I kind of liked Donald Sutherland anyway because one of my earliest films i ever saw was kelly's heroes which he made after this film mm-hmm. and so i was a big big uh, and have remained a big donald sutherland fan um so i, I kind of like and know I, I didn't really so you're looking at i'm around about seven years old when i first saw this film yeah seven or eight years old and so for, from such a young person's Eyes. I don't see any kind of political kind of thing in it. I didn't see any kind of, you know, nods to to what Vietnam was or to to what Korea was. Yeah. I just saw it as a a group of guys working in quite, you know, in an army unit in tents. And I was a scout at the time, so I quite like the idea of seeing tents. And But what what sticks in my head, and I don't know if you thought about this when you saw this the other day or when you watched it, was actually how much blood...
0: Is in this film. I, yeah, I, I, have an, I have a note of that. A lot of blood. Yes. Mm. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> That's a big difference from the TV series. Well, yeah, because the
1: TV series in the first couple of series, and definitely the first series, there's no blood at all. You don't see anything. Yeah. You know, and that was that. Was t- and, and the ironic thing is, though, is that I think this is a classic example of like um, 20th Century Fox TV against TV it, the, the film unit is the fact that was, you had to have blood in the film because it's a it's a mash unit. It's next to the wall. Yeah, the TV series, which is virtually using the same set, and yeah. they don't. They insist on no, no blood and having the laughter track. So you kind of you can understand why some people are really quite including Hornberger, the the author was was really quite dismissive about the TV series and also about Alan Alda's version of Hawkeye. Now you look at Alda's version of Hawkeye and Donald Sutherland's version of Hawkeye. They're not that much different in the later series, but they're incredibly different at the beginning.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was surprised by by the differences. As Elliot Gould, though, I think as Elliot Gould's
1: Trapper John, and Wayne Rogers' Trapper John, aren't too dissimilar. And 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 and, and he's clearly stated that um, Trapper John is the head surgeon, is the chest cutter, and you can almost see yeah. there why. And in the book, is the same. So you can almost see the reason why Wayne Rogers did feel quite put out when you know obviously everybody would have seen the film knowing that the main character is actually meant to be um you know uh, trapper
0: yeah i was surprised by that mm. definitely i understand now more because I, I just watched it yesterday so it's like fresh in my memory yes i am here I did. and yeah and it, it, it was really surprising because i'm like tra- i feel like trapper is the main character mm. of the story you know, even though we we are introduced to Hawkeye at the very beginning, and again, it's like, it's weird that they pick and choose. Like, Duke isn't mentioned at all in the series. No. But he's a main player in in the movie. Other than, you know, I guess Trapper, once Trapper gets there, and then Trapper and Hawkeye get together, and then they do that weird thing where they go to Japan. Yeah. And they become more like the Trapper that I know, Trapper and mm. Hawkeye. Mm. Just so outrageous. I'm like, oh, they should have been arrested. For what they were doing, well,
1: also as They're well, just so
0: yeah, because being, compass and
1: yeah, and up themselves. I think the thing as well you say about Duke not being in it in the first series of the TV series, they do share the tent with Spear Chucker. Now, um, yes, yeah, so that's the Fred Williamson character. Now, what I did notice is that the Duke character is slightly rednecky because he, he says the word Negro several times during the film, which is you know okay, it's the 1950s, yes. so probably acceptable then. But I think because um, the TV series is going to be aired on TV, I don't think I don't know this for certain. I'm just guessing. Is that they thought the this kind of character probably wouldn't work too well on TV, going into everyone's homes, TV. having him saying stuff like "negro" and everything like that. So, and also that the the character of Spearchucker, well, you know, did have a fair amount of lines in the first series, but. You know, he was dropped after the first. It may, may have been the first few episodes. I'm not. I'm not 100 sure. Um, but it's a shame. Yeah, I don't because, think he made it
0: through the first series.
1: Yeah, it's a shame because I like the character yeah. of Spear Chooker in the in the TV series. Yet yeah, in this one, he's he's purely just a a lead up to the football. But he game. comes
0: on in like the last. Yeah, he comes on in the last 20 minutes of the movie, and that's it. Yeah, that, and that is it. Character. Yeah, yeah, and also I
1: you I don't know. know how you thought, but. You know, there is is loads of scenes in this film which kind of stand out, and you mentioned several of them. At the beginning, you know, the shower scene with Sally Kellerman uh, is is always fun. But what I think is more fun about that, I mean, obviously, when you're young and you're watching, well, maybe you wouldn't think about it, Kenny, but, you know, from my point of view, (laughs) suddenly, suddenly seeing some breasts pop up on screen was always great at eight years old. But... It's the scene after that where, where uh, Hot Lips runs into the, the, the tent of uh, Henry Blake and starts screaming at him. And and Blake's response is so beautiful and it's so calmly said of, well, just resign your damn commission then, you know, and goes, hey. Yeah. There's a thing that I, did, I, did you, I noticed this. This changes throughout the film. When she's introduced, she's introduced as O'Hoolahan and it's his on the credits as Ohulahan, and But then she's mentioned as Hoolahan throughout the film yes. and then briefly O hoolahan at the end. And clearly they dropped the O for the TV series because it is a bit of a tongue twister, I think.
0: Yeah. There's actually a behind the scenes, so we'll get to that and explain it. Oh, is it really? Oh, OK. That's yeah, okay, Yeah. But no, I, admit, I I heard that too, that it was Oh Because when they first introduced her, it's oh um, Yeah, I re, I re- it because I was there going, Houlahan. did I hear
1: that right? Did I hear it yeah. right? And so, Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but speaking of that scene, that scene, I felt so horrible for Margaret. I felt so, my heart broke for her. Sally Kellerman did an amazing job in that scene. Oh, yeah. And she was yeah. just screaming and yelling, and her voice is cracking, and she's losing her voice because she's just putting so much emotion into it. Oh, my <laughs> I, I don't feel bad for her Hot Lips usually because she, usually she deserves what she gets. Yeah. But oh, my God, I felt horrible. I, I so hated all the guys at that moment. Oh, no, I loved it. Even, oh, no, Blake, (laughs) I hated. I was, like, fuming. I was, oh, I was so angry, and I felt so bad for Margaret. But then you get, you know. The nah, I didn't.
1: I loved it. I thought I would have been there. I would have. I, I would have been front by with a tequila. <laughs> Going, come on, let's see it. Get it up there. And also, you don't. The funny thing is, is that you don't actually. You don't actually see. I mean, you don't. Very briefly, I think. I think you see a breast shot, but you know, you don't actually yeah. see anything in it. So whether they find out whether she's a natural blonde, I don't know. What well, she will do, because Duke Forest ends up sleeping with her a bit later on. So, yes, which I, which yeah, which I don't. I don't remember. I didn't remember that in the in the film. Funnily enough. Um, yeah, uh, and, and, but there are, I mean, so t- tell me what what do you th- what do you think about the uh, Robert Duvall's version of Frank Burns? In is it? Do you think it? Th- do you like his version of Frank?
0: I was shocked because I knew he was religious. I remember him being religious because you know Frank mm. Burns is still religious in the TV series, just not as religious as he is in this yeah. movie. But the fact that he's in it for about twenty minutes and then he gets sent off <laughs> to an insane asylum, I was like, wait. No. Wait, that's Frank Burns. He's like a main character. What? He's in the movie <laughs> for like a blink of an eye. Yeah, that that surprised me. That one, mm. I'm like, oh, and it's kind of funny because in the end of the TV series, Frank technically gets put into a, you know, an insane asylum because he gets crazy. Yeah. So I was like, oh, was, okay. I, they kind of go ahead. Did they kind? Of, they kind
1: of what? what? They are. They've only got to the mass unit. They've only been there for a couple of weeks, and they already are demanding who's in their tent and who's not in their tent. So, oh god, it, it, it's, so it, it's quite funny that he gets thrown out straight away, presumably into his yeah. his own tent. But he yeah. also has. Let's get this out of the way. And it's probably easy in the, the the behind the scenes I so apologise if I'm repeating this. But this whole script is kind of improvised a lot of the oh, time. Yes. And yep. but it, it does make. I'd, I'd like to know if. Uh, if Robert Duvall's line in which he turns around when, when Skeret, uh when Duke turns around and says, Is this going to go on any longer? And he turns around, and he gets longer every time. Now I have to pray for your souls as well. I think that's such yeah. a beautiful line and so wonderfully de- delivered by uh, by Robert Duvall, you know. And you kind yeah. of, I don't dislike this Frank Burns. That's the thing, just because he's a religious guy. And, yeah, I don't dislike a like a him at all. No.
0: no. Yes, I don't. He's nothing like Frank. I mean, he's. Frank Burns from the TV series is a thousand times worse than this. Yeah, but again, but he, we didn't have time with him. He was in no, a few scenes. No. He sleeps with Margaret. They broadcast it. He has a nervous breakdown and goes after Hawkeye and is arrested. But in, I, in a, I, I think it. no,
1: I, I think no. That you, you, we know, we do see that bit with Boomer, in which he turns around and, and blames him for oh, the, the death oh, of the soldier. Yes. Okay, so That's you see horrible. that horrible. Now, yes. it's then it's then hinted at uh, by Hawkeye when Hawkeye turns about talks to Hulahan, and uh, which uh, he says that one of the things normally I would have invited you back to my tent for a nice martini and maybe you would have said yes. Yeah. And he says that, and he, but he mentions in that line that Frank Burns is a an incompetent buffoon, a worst surgeon I've ever seen. And so you get to know in that few lines that clearly Frank Burns is not a very good surgeon. But yes. this is where the film fails on that because. Just because somebody says it, I don't feel like he's a bad surgeon because I haven't seen him in the match. The TV series. Yes, we've got a longer amount of episodes. We had four or five years, I think, with Larry Linville. So you get to see how crap a surgeon he is. But in this film, we don't get to see him in the surgery, so we don't actually see his incompetence. The only thing we see... Is when he has a go at Private Boomer, uh, who breaks down in tears, and then Elliot Gould goes and chins him, which is one of the f- worst fight scenes I've ever seen in film history. <laughs> it's absolutely terrible. I mean, he just he chins him, and then he's just waving his hand about, thinking, well, "What have I done?" You know, um, that, that's yeah. a bit annoying. But you know, there. But but there you go. So we don't really get to see much much of him. And I gotta say, I think I. I would have preferred you know, when I was younger I didn't really notice it, but watching it now from a reviewing point of view. I think the film Mm -hmm. falls apart quite badly when the American football game is on. It's I don't know how long this game goes on for, but I was so twenty minutes. Oh, 20, 20 minutes, minutes, minutes
0: of the film I watched. Yeah. And I was like, what? I fast forward through some of it because I'm like, oh, why am I watching the football game? <laughs> yeah. Until yeah. The, Which doesn't uh, go anywhere. And it doesn't. It's just them competing. Oh, yeah. I was like, wow. I, I was so confused by this movie <laughs> just because yeah. I kept, I I just, it was like little vignettes and there was no cohesive. If they had that, like I guess the cohesive storyline was Hawkeye and Duke because then they, mm. they, show up at the beginning and they leave at the end. But... I don't know. I would rather had some sort of, um, And again, like you said, I think a lot of this was improvised. And I know the the author of the book hated the movie and said they didn't use any of my stuff.
1: No, that that was the the uh, the writer of the screenplay, uh, uh, Lardner. He didn't like he didn't like that. Well, no, he says he didn't hate it. He turned around and says he accused Elliot Gould. He said, "How hey, could you do this to me?" You know, there's I don't think there's one word that I've wrote in that script yet. He got an Oscar oh, okay, for it, so okay. I, I don't think he's banged on too much. I I think Hornberger or Richard Hooker. I know he hated the TV series, but I, I think he was... Uh, the only thing he said was that he hated the fact he sold the rights for about $200. <laughs> I think that, I mean, I mean that's, that's the only thing he was annoyed at, and actually refused to sign any copies of the book for anybody. He was so so annoyed by it. But, yeah. you know, the, 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 I mean, the thing is, we are looking at this in hindsight, and we are looking at this from the fact that we've watched 11 years' worth of a TV series. Oh, yeah. But you can't help but think, you know, this is, this is almost a bit like, now what's that film with uh, Burt Reynolds, in which he's in prison? And he he does a football game for him to try and the, escape the longest not, yard, the longest yard. Okay, yeah. which is also remade with Vinnie Jones, I do believe, a few years ago. Yeah. You know, it's a bit like that where you know you've got the build up to it, but at least with that film, they they decide not to escape. They want to win the game. Yes. I think they do escape. There was anyway. a but, point. You know, but with this it. one, yeah, there was a point. Yeah, this isn't the only time. The, the only changes though is that you see that there is some. I mean, I will say this. I think. Um, with Hot Lips is doing the cheerleading and stuff like that. Reminds <laughs> me of, of uh, Loretta Swit a little bit. Uh-huh. But also, what makes that work is the way that uh, Henry Blake turns around and says something like, uh, Margaret, you nincompoop. Oh, she turns around and says, that you hear a gun go off, and she yes. goes, my God, they've shot him. Yeah. And he turns around and goes, Margaret, you nincompoop, that's just the end of the quarter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah, I just, the, I I really, I was at a loss. I mean, I don't get me wrong, I, I enjoyed this, but I also kept telling myself, okay, this is based off the book the TV series is based mm. off the book it's not based off the yeah. movie so they're not like you no. can't really compare I know we are comparing them because that's what we do I mean it's two different interpretations of a Hawkeye and of Frank burns you know mm. but it's not like they made the TV series from the movie so because if the characters are two different that's not a big deal because that's just you know it's one source material two interpretations of that character. So Mm. I'm cool with that. Yeah. Um, But I really, I enjoyed the movie. I don't ever have to see it again. Mm. I'm, I'm, now that I watched it recently and it's in my head, I don't think I want to see it again. You know, I loved, adored the series. And that's how I want to remember MASH as. Mm. You know, and and you know me and adultery, and adultery was huge in this, in the movie. But again, it was made in the early 70s, based on a time in the 50s. You know, yeah and
1: also Hawkeye's married in this episode yes you know in he's got a wife and kids. Yeah. Yeah and and so's and so's uh you know yeah I love the room. Can I, can I ask you then what you think of I've got two questions for you. Okay, okay. so uh what do you think about the the last supper scene which I think is beautifully filmed in which they uh you know um uh, the dentist thinks he's going to die because he's He's uh, he, he believes he's turned into a. Into he's a fairy. A fairy. Yes. I mean, how seventies? How, 70s, how yep. seventy? I mean,
0: <laughs> I know. I, I mean, no. I thought when I because I, I do remember that and I do remember him think uh, saying that he was gay, and so I thought, oh wow, well, they're mm. they're you know uh, ahead of their times. So they're having a gay character come into the you know who's realizing it, it, it all, it's all a joke, and yeah, I'm okay with it just for the fact that this was made in the seventies, you know. That it's different times. I I don't like the term fairy, obviously. That's a derogatory term. But it is what it is. And the scene's Mm. beautiful. The way, I mean, you know, it's like the Last Supper. You know, the lighting and the ceremony that they put him through. You know, what I found odd is that all the guys were lining up to look in the tent when Painless was showering to see his junk, to see how big it was. I was like, well, yeah, he's the that uh, is the, the best, the best dentist <laughs> to me. That's the creepiest part. Uh, and there's like a big long line of dudes, look peeping through the flap to see him while he showers. And I'm like, okay, I guess that's what else you're gonna do. You're bored. You want to watch some, you know, well endowed <laughs> man tackle. take a shower. <laughs> yeah, that that would just make you
1: feel pretty kind of like you know. There was, well, you'd just go well. That's that's not me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there was some cr- some cringeworthy like when they when they put the microphone underneath Frank and O'Hulahan when they're having sex. I didn't mind oh, that. Yeah, that was good. That was funny. Oh, funny really? as be. It was funny. But when yeah. they're in the room hmm. in the in Blake's office in the dark, and there's a, a few of them, they have flashlights going, and they're, they're showing like close ups of the faces. And they're all like getting <laughs> sexual, like they're, they're getting into it. And I'm like, Oh, God, this is just creepy. When they when they broadcast it to the camp. That's hilarious. That I should have done that much yeah, sooner. Yeah. that was a funny bit, but
1: I think no, that it's even it's even funnier though when um, when uh, oh, we can we might as well call him by his name and he's Dago Red uh, when M- Mulcahy. Walks, oh, Mulcahy he, he thinks. And he thinks it's a, a, a radio show because yes. Yes. is still yeah, so yeah. that episode and is that yep. and, and, and the slow the slow realization <laughs> on Reddy Bujard's face that no it's clearly it isn't you know I, I think it's really good no this is this is the thing like, I was saying to you that I wanted to ask you no I have I have different no I don't have different feelings but the, when he turns around and he's, he's quite well known for the fact that he slept with a lot of women, okay, the dentist, right? Yes. Painless. He has
0: three wives. And uh,
1: <laughs> he's got three wives. Yes, he's got three wives, which is quite interesting. Yeah. God knows where he lives. Uh, yeah. But, and then he turns around and he says, oh, you know, he, he went with this of girl he didn't work out. And as Hawkeye says, man, we've all had that. That's happened before. I think he's so distraught by the fact that he's never had it happen. He automatically thinks he's turned he's turned gay yes right yes now now you know I, I think i think many many blokes have probably if they've had a long amount of time where they haven't been successful with women or they've been single for a long time i think you do naturally start to think to yourself. well maybe you know maybe you know you don't know you maybe it's oh maybe i haven't found the right kind of thing yeah i think that's where this has come from and that's the reason why hawkeye does kind of get the woman to sleep with him and you'd normally think oh that's you know, it's not the nicest thing to do, but clearly she does it because she has a peekaboo underneath the yeah. underneath the the uh, the gown and he, thinks, well, <laughs> you're never going to head that normally. <laughs> and the fact that as as she goes off in a helicopter, she's got that cheeky smile and a smirk on her smirk
0: face. On her I face. think that makes up. That, oh yeah, yeah, that yeah. makes
1: up for the scene, I think, because she doesn't look distraught. <laughs> oh yeah, by by any means. So I think I think that's where it comes from. The fact that he thinks he thinks he's turned into to quote uh he says and he's he's turned into a fairy, yeah, I think it's just purely the fact that he's never had this happen before. I don't think he's he's suddenly become gay or for, for, because otherwise it's it, you know it doesn't that just doesn't work,
0: yeah, I don't think they were being mean about it. I just think that you're right, that is what you know especially he's a manly man mm. with a large endowment, you know that yeah for would, he, like that would, to this, happen- would this
1: would uh, this yeah exactly now, he he turns around and uses the word fairy, which is a derogatory term. In the nineteen, this was made in nineteen seventy, wasn't it? So is the, I, I think the word queer now is used in LGBTQ and all these of you know, thing. Now from a, from from a non from a non from a heterosexual point of view, in the nineteen seventies was I always thought the word queer to be a derogatory derogatory word. I thought is that am I right? That's or changed. Or am I wrong there?
0: That's changed. Right, yeah, you were correct. Okay, so
1: it's acceptable now. It's yeah, acceptable okay, now. Right, queer,
0: it, yes, yeah. yeah, queer encompasses like everybody. Underneath the queer, everybody. Logo. Yeah, so that's kind of like okay, right? Taking back yeah. the you know the word, um, but yes, but fairy right. the- okay. fairy yeah. is still you know a derogatory statement. But from the seventies, it would be a normal thing. So it'd be a normal thing. Yeah, okay. that's that's, so, that's what it is. You know, it so would be. I have
1: a question to you. Yes, right now, radar in his film. I prefer this version of radar than the TV series because I think there's more. Two radar in this one that it's wonderful ba- banter between radar and and Blake. Uh-huh. I love the fact that they're talking over each other, which I know is one of the things people don't like about this film, but I love hate it. Film hate that it. People talk hate it.
0: it. You loved it. Oh, do you really? Oh my god, it I drove really me because- crazy. I'm like, I just want to hear a conversation oh no this is what i like about it radar talking <laughs> to blake that was perfect because that's what he does that's why he gets his nickname that's what, that's he, what he does he he, yeah. he 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 anticipates what the colonel needs before he says it i get that it's mm. when everyone mm. else was talking in the normal in the mess tent no. they're all talking over each other getting introduced to each other and they're all talking and 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 follow mckay's like what would you say and i'm like yeah i can't hear anything because there's so many so many people talking over each other no the radar thing that i i loved it was great it's just the, the general. Mm, yeah. it felt like, like, like you said, the movie. Everybody kind of talked over each other, and that just that. I think that, but that's was chaotic. For but me. that's Altman's. That's Altman's.
1: Yes, yes. Almost kind of his thing because in in reality, that's what you would hear walking. Now I know it's on film, so I I know that. But I think this is what makes it more. This bit, anyway, it's virtually like we said before, it's two films. The football thing, if we get rid of that, then you know, fair enough. Yeah. But I think throughout this, the whole thing the, in the operating theatre, it works so well because they're all talking over each other, and then suddenly drifts to another one where they're trying to do that really complicated surgery bit with all the clamps coming on, and mm-hmm. he turns around, says so you might be a pain in the pain in the ass, Margaret, but you're a damn good nurse. I love that. Line. And they're all talking, over and I, I, yeah, and I like that though because it kind of. It does add into the confusion and the the, the kind of the ball of uh, of what war is. Yeah. But they're all in this kind of thing now. Like I said to you just then about um, uh, Gary Berghoff in this, I because th- I, I find Radar to be really annoying in in the TV series in part because he mm. was just kind of like this, almost like this kid with a bloody teddy bear, and and it'd be sort of like you know when, that thing with Hawkeye when he, he blames him for that. This, this, and this, this. we talked about it before. But yet in this film. Radar is really quite important to everything. There's one bit where they're just about to do that shower scene thing, and that guy walks over and says, uh, hey, how's it going? And uh, and Trapper says, uh, Radar. And Radar comes out and comes takes out him away and, and starts yeah. talking about something else. Yep. Takes control of the whole thing. And I think, you know, and even a bit where he gets that big big uh, quarterback spits <laughs> spits water on his face. And I thought that's <laughs> so, so such a great reaction from Gary
0: Burgoff. But I really prefer this version of him, you know. Mm-hmm. I liked Radar, and I liked the Radar in the TV series. So, because again, that's mm. the Radar that I grew up with and watched. Because I, 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 do remember I had seen the movie, but I, it just it either wasn't interested to, you know, I wasn't interested in it. Mm. But yeah, but I do, I, I enjoy this Radar, and I see similarities in the character. Mm. But he's de- but that's what I
1: mean though, the fact that it's played by the same actor. Yeah. It, do you find it a bit weird the fact that it's it's he kind of almost de-ages by about? Seven years or something into the into the, what we into see the TV in T V series, series. Uh, yeah, yeah. As opposed to what we get in this.
0: Again, I and I said this earlier. I think the book or the movies, uh, the movie and the TV series are two adaptations from the book. So you've read the book. Hmm. How is Radar in the book? Yeah, is he more like Radar? I can't in... remember. Yeah, Joseph
1: I, I can't remember. Yeah, but the, the funny thing, the reason I can't remember if it's in the main book or because uh, I've got I've got the the three Doctors and I have got Mash goes to Maine. And there is another book in which they have to attend Radar's wedding. I can't quite remember which one that is because mm. there's loads of books. Right? Yeah, only Hornberger only wrote he only wrote um, two of them, I think, or two or three of them. He didn't. He didn't write all the others. William Butterworth wrote the rest. I'm not 100 percent sure. I think he's more like this in the film because he is just somebody who can, who knows what what Blake's going to say beforehand, yeah. and he's very efficient and he's very good at his job and he's very young. Yet yeah, I know they had to expand his character, but I just think
0: they made him more naive expanded it a... yeah they made him more naive yeah i guess so but he's also yeah. he runs the camp he does he does all the behind the scenes stuff he's the one that gets passes for people he's the one that finds things he's the one that so i st- i still think he's the the the, the same character maybe not mm. maybe not as uh but
1: that, that's what i'm that's what i'm thinking yeah. about the fact that he runs the camp and he does all this and are you telling me that he's still so naive yeah, when you watch him in this this film, but, but he's running the camp and he's on on the ball kind of thing. But you, I don't believe for one minute that this radar in the film would go to bed with a teddy bear. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Or read comics.
0: I think he's naive in the in the sense of you know, uh, with women, kind of relationships, because he's just like you know, out of Nebraska. He's he's what eighteen, so he's like young and mm. I don't know. I don't I don't yeah. see as big th- a difference in the two radars. I, uh, As you did.
1: Well I think it's because you got, you've got Boomer in this this film which takes over that role of the Radar, you know, from the TV yes. series. He's, he's young, he's inexperienced, he's, he's got a stutter, yeah. uh, which is a cheap way of making somebody look like they're inexperienced by using a stutter, but hey-ho, there we go. Yeah. Um, I think he has that Radar role, and this is what you would have in the TV series. Now, whether they looked at the role of Boomer and thought, actually, we could expand Radar's character and have him combine be the like two. Boomer
0: yeah. and
1: combine the two, which which happens an awful lot, you know, yep. so that's the thing. So, yep yeah mm. yeah I,
0: I can see that i can see them definitely doing that just a few notes here real quick that i know the opening lyrics to the song that was so weird to hear the actual yeah. lyrics i mean I've, I've heard the lyrics before but um, it was, mm. i didn't realize they actually used the song in the movie so that was cool and, that's how that's how i
1: n- knew that and it was written by mike
0: altman of course yeah he's 14
1: son. years old at the time it's crazy
0: <laughs> crazy amazing yeah 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 and then you have the the guy singing it during the funeral too so that was kind of cool he does a
1: very good version of it as well i, yeah. I wonder if that was the b-side because he does a little jazzy version of it. <laughs> yeah that was like nice it.
0: yeah uh i noticed that the camp was it's very similar in setup but it was so much it felt larger and there were a ton of people i mean this mm. this one we knew there were crew uh like medical because you know blake mentions oh you know we'll just put them on burns or frank's Team. And then Hawkeye has his own team. Yeah. You know, so you you had teams of doctors. Yeah. And I'm assuming that's where Byrne went mm. when he got kicked out. He went to another tent with other doctors. You know, and all the doctors yeah. were like, it was interesting to see so, and there was like so much hustle and bustling. I mean, this was like hardcore. There had a good, a few hundred people there. You know, Armash in the TV yeah. series has like, what, 20? Thirty for lucky. When you compare the
1: when you compare the schematics of the of the film set and the TV set, which there's a couple of pictures that you can look at. The uh, the one thing that is in is is constantly in place. Of course, is the aluminium metal shed that's there. You know that that's yeah. always stays there. Yeah. Uh, the swamp is not in the centre of the camp. The swamp is at the back where the other tents are. It's lined up with five or six other ones. Yeah. You can probably understand that. I mean, this whole set was the TV series came from the fact that they spent money on making a set. as simple as that. And the fact that it made eighty. Six million. They didn't want to just knock down the shed, and it was on their lot, as, as you know. Yeah. But I suppose they had to make it slightly smaller because one, keeping all those tents up and all that rigging and all the stuff like it would be an awful lot. So they 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 reduced it down by something. Like, I think they took away eight tents uh, and moved things in a bit. But then when as a TV series gets older when you start having the officer's mess and stuff like that it does start to build up a bit like the film set but mm. it must have been great to be on there but like you know because you've walked around that set many yeah. times you know all the actors had to be bust in there they couldn't just drive up there they had to be bust in yeah and, and all that you know
0: yeah and it still amazes me when you mm. go to, when you actually go to the set it's so small and you're like did they really put all this yeah. stuff here you know and they did it's just because yeah. from the top views you could see especially in this in the movie, from the top view, I saw mm. it more like I was there. You know, the the setup, it made more sense because because yeah. there's lots you know there's trees and brush and it's all overgrown and there's certain the, st- is the
1: is um, the is the
0: helicopter the helicopter pad, you know is that still raised up? It's is that still, still there. there. Is that oh yeah, like
1: yeah it's still. It, and yeah. then when you
0: if you go there, people will do in rocks. Goodbye. Because like <laughs> it did yeah. yeah, like the final yeah, so sometimes you can see goodbye written. Sometimes, you know, people will screw around with it, but they're yeah, it's yeah. and then you know, it's, it's 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 a really cool experience if you're a huge MASH fan, is definitely go to the to the site. Yeah.
1: I'm surprised no one's done kind of like um helicopter rides from from LA to it. You yeah know, no and, and so one's. you can fly over it and
0: Yeah, that's a, uh, that, that, that's a that There of. you go, that's a new business for you. There, there you go, <laughs> jump on it. Yeah. <laughs> um what else have I there? Oh, follow Mokehi very similar. Yeah. Very similar. They go red. Yeah, both mm.
1: both so That's it. Yeah. So we have three. Three uh three father Mulcahy's now then.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes, but this one reminded me of of William Christopher with Yes, William I think Frisois. so. Yeah. They were very similar. He didn't have a big part, but it was still, you know, it it was still it was still the father that I adore in the TV series. So I did like that.
1: He also has a very short line, uh, which I think is, I think it's in the trailer, but uh, with Margaret turned how did a degenerate like that get into the US army? Yes. He was drafted. (laughs) it's just the way that he says it he just casually looks up from his bible and he says it and it's such wonderful comic delivery it really is and I think this is what kind of makes his film stand out because it's kind of like you know it's not it has its flaws but also the fact that these little lines really do kind of like you know push it along I
0: think yeah uh, I love the fact that Hawkeye knew Trapper they had a pass together
1: yeah from the football field yeah from the football field, Yeah,
0: that was interesting I had no idea you didn't
1: you, that line he goes uh, you haven't always had that moustache have you sir yeah I, I've been practicing my Donald <laughs> uh, Sutherland impressions for a while <laughs> that line when he says that he goes you haven't always had that moustache have you sir and I, he goes uh, maybe you'd like to join us for a uh, what's he say now he doesn't say drink does he say uh, no I
0: can't remember
1: what he says but the way that Elliot Gould pulls out that jar of volume, yeah, it's so good movies. so oh, good oh man that's good
0: <laughs> i thought it was odd with the whistle hawkeye's whistle which you did at the beginning of this <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah because it's there's no trace of that in the in the tv series at all that he had that little kind of tick no i like that we find out where hot lips get her gets her name from in from this movie <laughs> yep that was cool i don't know if it's from the movie but i don't know if that happens in the book as well does she get hot lips because of that? That same scene.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna have to re- I'm gonna reread that book. because yeah. I've got it here, so I'm gonna have to reread it. Yeah. See, that could have been expanded a little bit. I think the Japan scene, because I I do love that guy. One the one thing that always makes me laugh is uh, Elliot Gould's uh, kind of fencing with the umbrella against the the yeah, um, the, the, young, uh, the young nurse that's yeah. there and uh, and and the whole thing of can someone get this smelly old man out of my theater it was was really good, <laughs> but I think they could have. They could have kind of expanded a little bit on the child that comes in and you know and then they they kind of like um you know that that's very quick. You just they get a child in and then gas the the smelly old man. Uh and then they, they end up in the um And then they you know, blackmail with the MPs. Yeah. That could have that, Yeah. And that could have been made a lot longer and showed, well, they're not just jokers, they're not just the pros from Dover. They are you know this whole thing of like they are surgeons, but they'll also go out of the way to to help. One Hawkeye's mate too; he was the gasman at that point, but also the kind of that these sort other of guys there looking after these kids that could have been used a lot better instead of having this football match. But it was, you poorly, know, maybe they, yes. You know.
0: I agree. I think it was poorly told because I got more from what you just said than from watching it. Yeah, it, mm. it was. It mm. was, yeah. To me, it was that scene was just so useless. I mean, yeah, they got the kid in, and then we didn't know what happens afterwards. You know, yeah, what
1: was wrong with the kid? We don't. I mean, there was a little, there's a brief thing there, which is actually what when how they describe it, funny enough, is it's it's described how can I put it? How do we call my, how does my wife call it. My wife says that so sometimes in medical terms, you have to describe it as if you're a muggle, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you 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 turn, you, you, but in this, they actually say the medical terms for everything, yeah. There's no there's no sort of like which again, that is, is commendable because it's it's a real life event, they are two doctors. But from an audience point of view, unless you're medical, you know, we're not going to know what they're on about. So we almost need a little bit of a muggle explanation of what's going Abs- on. Yes. Yeah. And that could have been expanded into that. Because this kid was put down there. I like the fact that he goes, well, where's this child come from? And he's a medical soldier with a Korean woman. You know, and yes. it's like, well, th- what happened to the kid? Where did the kid go? The whole thing with uh, Ho-john. I love that bit where they clearly drugged him. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> That's quite weird. Yeah. The fact they've drugged him and he's off his face. and uh, and But he just disappears. You know, he goes into that thing, and you think, "Well, this is the guy that's been with him for the past month or so," and then he's disappeared. And you, you know, it's like, "Well, where's?" You know, yeah. Hawkeye looks a bit too stop, like, but
0: the next thing you know, a there's a camera second. coming along, and he says, "Hi, Dad." Yes, he was distraught for a split second, and then yeah, it was like, "Oh, he's gone now," so let's move on. Yeah, um, here
1: comes a TV crew, and hi, Dad. And uh, yeah, it. yeah, you
0: know. yeah. I just, I don't know. I, I, I just, I. Like I said, I watched. I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. I still enjoyed it. I thought it was mm. it was a enjoyable movie. I'm glad I watched it. Uh, you know, at least watched it again. Even though yeah. I feel like I watched it for the first time, I just I felt very disjointed. Mm. And I'm like, how did this do so well at the box office? It's such a disjointed film i guess unless you just go into it. Hey, it's 19 it's 1970
1: <laughs> this is the this is the thing you gotta think though that at the same time they were making pattern and uh they were making uh torah oh torah at the same time so yes you know the, these films hence the reason why it is there is i mean i don't know what you how did you watch this
0: uh i watched it uh what do you mean how did i watch it? hbo max Streaming
1: HBO Max. Okay, yeah. so I this film this film comes with the Martini box there, but I also own the special edition oh, two D okay. set, and there's, okay. there's some nice there's some nice documentaries on there as well. Yeah, um, and you know he, he Altman turned around and said that they had to keep this film under budget. He didn't want anybody yeah. sniffing around, and the, and at the, the time. 20th Century Fox were making Patton and it was making Tyler Tyler So those two films were absolutely huge in budgetary terms. So nobody took a blind bit of notice about this film. He could do whatever he wanted as long as it was under budget and it was brought in on time. So nobody took a blind bit of notice of what was going on in this yeah. film. So Altman, although he was still at this point a very, I think this may have been his second feature, a major feature film anyway, I think, I'm not too sure. But you watch this and you watch Preda Porter and you watch The Player... They're both very similar in his filming styles. You can see all this way; it's slightly rambling, slightly realistic. It's as if he, what Altman does, is that he brings you into the film as if you are not a viewer. You are in this film with the characters. You're in that mess tent. I get You're it. in the operating yeah. theatre. You're in the swamp, and he does it with Puerto Porter, particularly Puerto Porter, in which especially we like you're in the crowd scene where everyone's walking down. You have got all these. Famous people, yet you're not meant to think they're famous because you're there, you're in it. And I think that's why part of this film, part of it, yeah. works really well. It's certainly different and certainly groundbreaking. And it's also, I think, what possibly... Especially, I mean, this film made more money, I think, in uh, in England and Europe than it, than it did initially in America because in America, you've got the Vietnam War and people probably are like, man, I... I what you are you doing? You know, I want something yeah. different. Yeah, in England, of course, we'd we'd, we'd gone through the the, the the Second World War and we were all about this kind of arty-farty, late 60s kind of stuff like Blow Up, you know, and all mm-hmm. these kind of films which were which slightly avant-garde, slightly out of the norm of normal filmmaking. Yeah. And also, so we were able to see something slightly different. And like a lot of times that happened with, with Britain sort of like being the ones who kind of like like it and then gets bigger and bigger and bigger in America. And I think that's what, what boosted Altman. But if you had to number this, if you had to give it a rating, what, what would your rating be? I know that you said you're not going to watch it again. I mean, I probably will. I'd like to watch this yeah. again. But once I've watched all of MASH again, now I can watch it and enjoy it instead of watching it to review it. Yeah, but it what would you give it as a rating?
0: That's, and that's the hard part. Comparing it, to, I can't compare it to the MASH series. And that's what's in my head. Is the mash series? Yeah. Uh, I would give this. Mm. Looking back and after talking to you about it, I think I would give this maybe mm. seven and a half, maybe, maybe. Right, okay. So you, you seven and a half, eight. Right. So maybe? you give it
1: the exact. Yeah. Yeah. So you give it exact same as IMDb. The IMDb rating is seven and a half. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a good number for it. I think it probably is, and you know what? I give it an eight because. Yeah. I really enjoy it because, it's, as I said, I watched this before I watched the MASH TV series. Although I remember the MASH TV series more than I remember this film because there's 11 years' worth of TV series for us to, you know, to watch and enjoy. Yeah. And like I just said then, I am actually really looking forward to going back and watching the whole of, uh, of the MASH TV series again without reviewing it, just sitting back and watching it. You know, I'm quite looking forward to it. But I'd, I'd happily watch this film again, I must admit yeah. Maybe turn it off when the football thing comes on.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. that, Yeah, that was just... It's so bizarre. So bizarre. So uh,
1: Major, what
0: went on over Where's there? Where's Colonel Wait a second. You can't go and see
1: Colonel You Blake. shut up, you twerp! <laughs>
0: This isn't a hospital! It's an insane asylum! And it's your fault! Because you don't do anything to discourage them! What do you want me to do? Uh, put them under arrest! See what a court-martial thinks of their drunken old mechanism! At first they call me a hot lift and you let them get away with it! And then you let them get away with everything! And if you don't... Turn them over to the MPs! This minute, I, I'm going to resign my commission! God damn it, Hot Lips resign your uh, god damn commission!
1: Uh, 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 my, commission. <laughs> my commission! My commission! My commission!
0: A little more wine? Yes, please. We have tons of behind the scenes. I had to pick and choose because there's, I mean, I'm not kidding. There's Hmm. probably a hundred or so of them. So I didn't want to be here all day long. (laughs) So I tried to pick the ones I thought were interesting. So here's our first one. Um, Tom Skerritt recalled that the dialogue, as Meds mentioned, and kind of, I think this is well known, the dialogue... Was about 80% improvised. In order to create a different kind of atmosphere, uh, Robert Altman cast some of the parts from improv clubs who had no previous movie or TV experience.
1: That's probably why, when it, when you've got the credits at the beginning, it's introducing. And oh introducing my God, it's like, yes.
0: Yes, it's like pages and pages of that. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> That's it, yeah. And it's like, yeah, we're not talking about that. Um, now, according to Johnny Mandel and Robert Altman, the film's famous theme song was intended to be the stupidest song ever written. After attempting to write the lyrics himself, Altman said he found it too difficult to write dumb enough and instead gave the task to his 14-year-old son. Mike Altman allegedly wrote the lyrics in five minutes, not even expecting to be paid since he was the director's son. He ended up making millions in royalties <laughs> of the song. Fair play to you. I love if it. If you can write that at 14, I think that's amazing. In
0: five minutes, yes, you deserve the millions. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, of the 28 speaking roles... Only half of them had prior screen credits. So again, lots of unknown.
1: <laughs> uh, the operating scenes were almost cut out due to their graphic nature. However, two women who were visiting the set told the producers that the operating scenes were what made the movie and should be kept in. I do believe they were nurses, actually.
0: Mm, yeah, and I agree mm. that the operating scenes oh, yeah. were really well done. That was some of my favorite parts oh, of the movie. Yeah, very, yeah. very well done. Several other directors were offered the film and turned it down before it was given to Robert Altman, including William Friedkin, Stanley Kubrick, Sidney LeMay, and Sidney Pollock.
1: Okay, so let's look at those. William Friedkin made, uh, made uh, The Exorcist. So that would have been quite dark. Stanley Kubrick, it would have just turned out to be, you know, I mean, we had full metal jacket for Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> yes. anyway. So, which, which actually I suppose, you know, I love, I love full metal jackets. And it was, it was made in London Docklands, which is balmy when you think about it. Huh. Um, So, here here are some alternate casting. Uh, Altman wanted James Garner for Hawkeye Pierce. I can see that. I can see that. James Kahn, James Coburn, and Burt Reynolds turned down the role of Trapper John. Um, Yeah, I can't see that. Uh, Reynolds was also offered the role of Duke Forrest, but turned it down. Angie Dickinson was offered the role of Hot Lips. Bob Newhart was cast, but pulled out before filming, so he wouldn't be competing with himself in Catch-22. It's not known what his role was to be, but Colonel Blake seems likely. Mm. Interesting.
0: Robert Altman said that during filming, Elliot Gould and Donald Sutherland together went to the studio and complained that Altman was filming too much of the secondary characters. They requested that he be removed from the film, but the studio refused. After the film was completed and received its accolades, only Elliot Gould confessed the matter to Altman. As a result, he received parts in other Altman pictures, whereas Robert Altman never cast Donald Sutherland again.
1: Okay, this is not true. Um, it's a well. It's one of those things that have been going on for years. That this is what happened, and I, I don't believe Robert Altman said this either. Now I believed it. This was the thing, but I did a little bit of research before we jumped on this to see if Donald Sutherland had actually worked in an Altman film mm-hmm. again. And not many people do work in Altman films. Elliot Gould has stated recently that this never happened. Um, he said they, they said they were both fairly unknown actors and would never. Um, go against a director they were working for. They didn't have any kind of swaying power. They didn't have any way they would have been, you know, allowed to demand this and demand that. They were both unknowns at this point. Um, so, I mean, I believe this as well. I, I always assumed that this was actually true. Yeah. But I, in the back of my head, I was thinking, I'm going to just check this out. And I wanted you to read this first before I jumped in with you because Elliot Gould has stated that this would never have happened. All right. It is a slightly weirder for the fact that the, there was a reunion thing um, when, when this film was like 30 years old or something like that. And they had a cast reunion. It was honouring Robert Altman's films. And Donald Sutherland was not there when they did the MASH thing. Now, people jump on that assumption, the fact that, oh, Donald Sutherland, you know, they obviously didn't get on. You know, Sutherland praised it. There's an there's a, a, a interview with Donald Sutherland just after making his film. He's got fairly long hair. And he's, he's praising how he loved making the film and how he believes this film is one of the best films he's ever done. So I don't believe there's any kind of animosity between them. Yeah, I just don't think uh, I don't think Sutherland uh, wanted to work in that kind of Altman style filming because it's very kind of like I've said just earlier on. Yeah, very free, very natural kind of stuff, and I don't think that's Sutherland's thing. So, yeah, we can cast that one uh, aside. I very think. cool. Uh, somebody, somebody's bound to comment on it. Uh, please do. Um, Robert Altman felt that he was able to get away. Oh, there you go. This is what I said earlier on. So apologies for repeating this. Uh, Robert Altman felt that he was able to get away with so much during shooting because the officials at 20th Century Fox were keeping a closer watch on their two massively expensive projects which are also war films. Although they're both about World War II, Patton came out in 17, of course, Tora, Tora, Tora in 17. All three films turned out to be critical and box office successes which I do believe helped make 20th century fox survive because i think it was like a lot of film studios at that time were pretty you know pretty going down the hill mm-hmm. and i think all three films really did boost 20th century's fox power in uh, in hollywood
0: yeah yeah uh cool uh the scene where Fala Mulcahy is blessing the jeep was improvised reneo bourgeois found the blessing in a copy of the army Chaplin's handbook, and thought that it would be a good addition to the story and to his character. Robert Altman agreed, and the scene was shot in one take.
1: Yeah, and you can see that when Duke jumps into the into the jeep, he's kind of looking about what when the Javis doing. Yeah. He's Kind of thinking, what are you doing? <laughs> and, I, and but again, though, no, I think that adds to the the realism of it all. You know, yeah. and then the Hawkeye jumps in and just goes, and off they go. <laughs> um, with its initial with its initial box office take of $41 million in 19 in 1970, this movie up until that time was the second highest grossing comedy film of all time, coming in just below only The Graduate of 1967. On an inflation adjusted basis, MASH still as of 2020 ranks highly on the list of the highest grossing comedy Films.
0: Well done. One innovation of Robert Altman was to almost constant overlaying of dialogue. Here's where uh, this is. Mm-hmm. As many as four conversations could be happening at once in a given shot. While this was considered unorthodox and revolutionary at the time, Altman's insistence was vindicated when audiences agreed that the technique contributed to feeling that the war was messy and confusing. I 100% agree with that. Hmm. The technique has been emulated on several occasions since. Totally agree. Yeah. It, it definitely totally added to the chaos and the chaosness of, of war. So, mm.
1: Yeah. Uh, when a movie was released, the military wanted not to run the movie in their theatres because of its anti-war message. The case went to the Supreme Court, which ruled the military court could not withdraw the film for this reason, instead, the military chose to run *Pattern* for 1970 in the following week, feeling that film was more complimentary to the military. Really, <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. I, <laughs> Jake, s- I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't think this movie was
1: anti-war. No, I didn't see that at all. But is it the fact that they don't like the idea that people do get shot, and you uh, yeah. see the fact that when you get shot, are you showing the results comes out
0: of you? Yeah, are they afraid yeah. because they're showing the yeah. results of war with all the mass casualties? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't get that. Uh, According to Robert Altman, Ring Lander Jr. was very upset with the liberties taken with his script. Oh, we mentioned this as well. Lander later won Mm. an Academy Award for his screenplay. Lander allegedly told Elliot Gould, there's not a word that I wrote on screen. Yeah, just take it. Yeah, just take it and go. (laughs)
1: Um, The film is radically different from the novel. Oh, there we go. Uh, Robert Altman described the novel as pretty terrible and somewhat racist. The only major black character has the nickname Chucker, although this would have been quite typical and accepted during the time frame the movie was set in. He claims that the screenplay was used only as a springboard. However, the screenplay itself reveals that. While there is some improvisation in the film, and although Altman moved major sequences around, most sequences are in the screenplay. The main deletion is a subplot of Ho John's, portrayed by Kim Atwood. Return to the 4077th, as a casualty. Ooh. See, now that would have been better. That would it, have been in, so much better than a football, football game,
0: yes. Yeah.
1: Uh, when Radar steals blood from Henry, it is for Ho operation under Trapper and Hawkeye's scalpels. When the surgeons are playing poker after the football game, they are resolutely ignoring a dead body being driven away, Ho mm. The main deviation from the script is the trimming of much of the dialogue. Interestingly, the ho John character made a return to the land of the living in M.A.S.H. 1972, although he was portrayed by a different actor, Patrick Adiath.
0: Would have liked that much better.
1: Yeah, that would have given a really dark time to a comedy. Wouldn't yeah,
0: it? I just figured the end with the body was just the fact that they're used to that, you know, and so that's why they were ignoring the body leaving. It would have been yeah, harder than and now that you it think was ho, John. needs ho John's Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, that's even, watching that again and you think, wow. Yeah, you know. that's, uh, yeah, very good. Uh, Elliot Gould and Donald Sutherland kept calling each other Shirley on the set. Gould did it in one shot, cracking Sutherland up, and Robert Altman decided to keep it in the film. Shirley was a reference to Donald Sutherland's then-second wife, Shirley Douglas. Gary
1: Berghoff is the only actor to play the role of Radar in four out of five incarnations of the MASH franchise. In his film, MASH the Series, 72, After MASH 83. Did he turn up in Aftermash? yeah he did I don't remember him turning two episodes up two episodes really? yeah he did okay and the failed pilot walter in 1984 he did not appear in trapper john md in 1979
0: uh, missed opportunity hmm. all right
1: yeah but that doesn't that doesn't work trapper john md does not work in the world of mash at
0: all true so, true because it's set in 1979 <laughs> <laughs> <just> <laughs> Uh, this was not the first Korean War-based movie to carry the title M.A.S.H. In 1953, Humphrey Bogart starred in the film also about a M.A.S.H. unit by the same title. But the studio thought the title might make audiences think it was about potatoes. Oh, God. So the title was changed to Battle Circus, 1953. Sorry. Well, that's a good title. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ.
1: Um, according to George Lito, when studio executives first saw the film, they handed Robert Altman 10 pages of notes for cuts and changes they wanted to make. Then, producer Ingo Preminga arranged a test screening in San Francisco. By the time Hawkeye was stealing the Jeep, the audience was openly applauding the film, and executive Richard D. Zanuck allegedly said, Tell Bob to forget about my notes. Oh, fair I to <laughs> Thank goodness for test screeners. There was a cartoon parody of M.A.S.H. called Mush in 1975, which aired during ABC Television Network's Saturday morning children's block during the 75-76 television series. It featured an all-dog cast moulded on both the movie version and TV versions with the names like Bullseye, which is Hawkeye, Cold Lips, which is Hot Lips, (laughs) and Colonel Flake, Colonel Blake. Mush stood for Mangy Unwanted Shabby Heroes.
0: <laughs> That's cute, I never heard of that. No. Uh, despite the fact that this film was a huge critical and commercial success and therefore a valuable asset and came from a major studio distributor twentieth Century Fox, the original camera negative has been lost. That's very unfortunate. Oh wow. A lot of movies yeah. unfortunately have been lost.
1: Yeah. Alan Alder said the Hawkeye character he portrayed was different from the Hawkeye played by Donald Sutherland in Robert Altman's film MASH, released in 1970, as we know. Both are based on Richard Hooker's 68 novel MASH, a novel about three army doctors. Sutherland's Hawkeye seemed very depressed. TV show writer-creator Larry Gelbart's character was much more lively. He had a sardonic sense of humour. Alder said adding that Sutherland's Hawkeye was married while his was not. Alder also said that Hawkeye he depicted seemed so far from me I had no idea how to play a womanizer who drank too much and was a smart aleck. I had to figure out how to be that person. Another difference between the movie and television versions of MASH, Alder said, was that the latter could go back show after show, which would explore the character in a way no movie could. The character could deepen and they could change in their relationships with each other.
0: Hmm. There's truth to that. Yeah. Yeah, I'll cover that. Yeah. In the book, Hawkeye was married to Evelyn Pierce and has several children and is faithful to his wife. That's nice to hear. In MASH, uh, (laughs) 1970, Hawkeye's still married with kids, but not faithful. In MASH, 1972, Hawkeye becomes a full-out swinging single and is promiscuous and confirmed bachelor. Very different from the super faithful family man of the book. I had no idea that he was faithful. Makes me like Hawkeye even more. In the book. Mm. And this Hawkeye. Hawkeye in the TV series. As long as he wasn't married. Yeah, he was single so he could do what I he wanted. Didn't, yeah, you're right. <laughs> 100%. He was fine. Uh, when Hawkeye and Trapper go to Tokyo to
1: operate on a congressman's wounded son, they identify themselves as the pros from Dover. The book in which the film is based revealed that in civilian life, Hawkeye would go to golf courses and tell management that he was the pro from Dover, who was just passing through. About 80% of the time, this would help him get free rounds of golf. Hawkeye's use of the term as part of a con was not explained in the film. Because of this limited use in the film, the term pro from Dover was, and has, come to mean any outside consultant who is used to troubleshoot and solve problems for an organization.
0: Very cool. Although the young radar is approximately 18 or 19, actor Gary Burkoff was 27 years old. By the time he started the television series, he was almost 30. <laughs>
1: Uh, Margaret Surname is scripted as Hoolihan. The O was added due to slip of the tongue by G. Wood and Roger Bowen, the only two people who refer to her as
0: O'Hoolihan in the whole movie. There you go. There you go. The film adaptation of the original novel's sequel, MASH Goes to Maine, following Hawkeye's life back in Maine after his discharge, was considered but never produced. However, this did end up giving way to a highly popular TV series. Here are some continuity errors. Now, similar to the television
1: series MASH, many of the male characters in the film are wearing modern early 70s hairstyles and facial hair that wasn't in style among men in the early 1950s.
0: Yeah, I don't think Trapper John's giant moustache would have been... Moustache. Yes. (laughs) At the 14-minute mark, you can see Trapper in the operating theatre, but he hasn't yet arrived to the 4077th. Oops.
1: Oh, wow. I wish I'd read these before. What's the film? Um... When Hot Lips confronts Lieutenant Colonel Blake after she was exposed in the shower, she stands framed in the doorway of Lieutenant Lieutenant Colonel Blake's tent. To her left, there is a mirror hanging on the tent wall that appears and disappears between shots. Brilliant. Mm.
0: (laughs) When Hawkeye first appears and is waiting for his driver. It is raining and there are puddles on the ground. When he and Duke drive off with a Jeep, the sun is out and the ground is dry. Yeah, I wonder what was
1: filmed first and Probably the ground dry, I reckon. Yeah. Um, in the shower, the dog joins the group and sits down. I did notice that. Between Trapper John and Hawkeye just before Trapper cues the drum roll. In the group shots after Hot Lips is down on the shower floor, the dog is gone. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Excuse me, soldier, I wonder if you could tell me where the congressman's son is. It's what's this? Darling, would you register for Mr. Ward Just no. a moment. You can't go in there. No, look around. Who her. are I'm you? Who am I? I am the pro from Dover, Why and this is my you. favorite cat. I can't daddy. go until like, I call Captain Peterson. No, go call second. Captain. Wait Peterson. a second. No, when the soldier wants to enforce their own orders, I'm going go. go. to take her on single-handedly i will coming here. You I'm coming here. 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 i am coming here i am coming here i am coming i am I'm I'm coming oh.
1: i <laughs> What are two do hoodlums doing in
0: this hospital? Oh, ma'am, we are surgeons and we are here to operate. We're just waiting for a starting time. That's well, you all. can't even go near a patient until Colonel Merrill says it's okay. And he's still out to lunch. Look, Mother, I want to go to work in one hour. We are the pros from Dover, and we figure to crack this kid's chest and get out to the golf course before it gets dark. So you go find the gas passer and you have him pre-medicate this patient. Then bring me the latest pictures on him. The ones we saw must be 48 hours old by now. Then call the kitchen and have them rustle us up some lunch. Ham and eggs will be all right. Steak would be even better. And then give me at least one nurse. Who knows how to work in close without getting her tits in my way. Oh. Oh. Oh, oh! How do you want your steak cooked? And here's a fun fact: both the TV show and the movie are based on a book, MASH, A Story of Three Doctors by Richard Hornberger. Author name is Richard Hooker. Uh, there was actually a whole series of books by the first original author, Hornberger and latter William E. Buttersworth III, aka Webb Griffin, also writing under the pen name Hooker, that most people have forgotten about. There's obviously MASH. MASH goes to Maine. MASH goes to New Orleans. MASH goes to Paris. MASH goes to London. MASH goes to Morocco. MASH goes to Las Vegas. MASH goes to Vienna. MASH goes to San Francisco. MASH goes to Miami. MASH goes to Hollywood. MASH Goes to Texas, MASH Goes to Moscow, MASH Goes to Montreal, and MASH Mania. Holy moly. The original book was written and published by Hornberger as Hooker in 68. The last one was written and published by Buttersworth Griffin as Hooker without Hornberger's actual writing, but with his involvement in a consultative capacity in 1977. So it's a lot of books in nine years. Nice. Hi, um. what's going on? May I join you? Uh Make a little radio. Oh, great. Show. Oh,
1: oh, oh. Oh. oh, yes. Wait a minute. Oh, Frank. Oh, oh Frank. Oh, Is this oh, the Bickersons? I, oh, oh, yes. huh? oh, yeah. I love them. Oh, Frank, yes. Yeah. The battling Bickersons. I love them. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Oh, no, I, uh,
0: oh. I forgot. I, I, I... No. Oh. Oh, oh. oh my... You're
1: shining that thing in my eyes.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, he is such a
1: sweet
0: man. <laughs> oh, Frank. Oh, Frank, my lips are hot. Oh, kiss my hot lips. Oh, goodness, they are hot. Hot, hot, lips? We have got to share this with the rest of the people. <laughs> Switch it over. Okay? Oh, Frank. Oh, Frank, Darling. Oh, Frank. Oh, Frank. Strangle
1: me. Hot. Frank. What the hell is that? Oh.
0: Oh, yes. Oh. Oh,
1: Dr. Frank Burns is doing a bit of dilatation oh, yes. and curettage.
0: That's, uh, well, that's, uh, well, it sounds like the uh, major, the new major's she's, having a dream, is She's plugged
1: in. Oh, Frank! 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 No, no, no. Wait a sec! Wait a sec! What is it? What is it? Turn the line, turn the line off! No, that's off! No, that's all. Get off! Get your clothes
0: off! Get your pants Don't, don't turn off me!
1: So, so uh, Okay, trivia time then. Now, last episode's question, if you can remember that far back, was what were, the, <laughs> what were the final words of the final episode and who said them? Now, the answer was BJ. I'll see you back in the States, I promised. Just in case, I left you a note. Hawkeye, what? So this episode's trivia question... What was Father
0: Mulcahy's nickname? Yeah, and you actually mentioned it earlier in this episode, which I thought was funny. But yes, there uh, you go. <laughs> if you want to give the, give the answer, because we don't know when <laughs> when and we'll be releasing another episode. Okay, and the answer is Dago Red. Dago Red. Very Dago cool. Red. All right. I wonder what they're saying. Can you make it out? Is that uh, big ass hairs move around a lot, Frank, or does it sort of lie there, flaccid? What would you say about that? Um he's questioning the major on a point of anatomy. Very professional, exchanging ideas. Would you say that she was uh, a moaner, Frank? A... Oh. What is Burns saying? Uh, major Burns isn't saying much of anything, sir. I think he's formulating the answer. Seriously, Frank, I mean, does she go, <laughs> or does she just sort of lie there quiet and not do anything at all? Just sort of Keep your filthy that? mouth to yourself. Or does she go, <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, Frank? That lesson one. Frank Burns has gone nuts. Come yep. on! Oh. Hey. 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 get glasses for oh, hey. Watch out for your goodies, Hawkeye. That man is a sex maniac. I don't think Hot Lips satisfied him. Frank, we love you. Don't let him kiss you, Hawkeye. Oh. Hey! Oh! All right. Well, that's it. We've watched everything there is of Mash. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still debating on what I'm going to do with the future podcasts. I may do some listener stuff. I may watch an Aftermash. Who knows? Mm. Who knows what, what what what's on the future? But we are leaving it open ended. We're not going to say goodbye. You know because who knows what what the future holds um we enjo- who knows? we enjoyed doing this for what 10 years now almost 11 years and uh oh. <laughs> i know it's been a while <laughs> uh, but we do want to thank all of our amazing people who've, who who's stuck with us who's been with us from the very beginning and we have quite a few of those and that's amazing yeah. that you would listen to the, our podcast for 11 years um but we do appreciate <laughs> all the feedback all the participation you've been giving us with trivia uh, everything it's been it's been fantastic 11 years and uh, like i said this isn't the end yet but who knows what what i don't know i i I go back and forth of what i want to do
1: i've got i've got to give a massive shout out to you because i mean uh, you you do all the the producing you do all the editing you put all the clips in Uh, i write a little bit about each actor and I just turn up. I read the stuff. I chat and have a laugh with yes. you, and then I send it to you, and that's it. I'm done. Yep. So all kudos to you for all the hard work <laughs> that you do, mate. Honestly, it's uh, you've you've gone above and beyond uh, the call of duty uh, for for this show. Yeah, and, uh, I'm very I'm very proud of. I'm very proud of doing it. I uh, really am. Oh, I, but, I, I uh, so appreciate we, you. we we you know. Yeah, we initially wanted to do years, a couple of years before we actually did it. I remember me and you talking about it. Yes, and uh, and then when it finally came along, and it was, uh, it's been it's been thoroughly enjoyable doing it all these years. Yeah,
0: it's been, and I can't, I couldn't ask for a better co-host. I mean, you were, you technically are my mash expert. You know, I was a fan, <laughs> you were the ultra fan, so I always knew I had to have someone oh. who really loved the series, like really loved the series. I enjoyed it, and mm. I still oh. enjoy it, and. You know, I think our conversations over the years had made me enjoy it even more. That's one of my favorite things yeah. about – yes, you're right. You know, when we watch these, we, we're not watching it for enjoyment. We're watching it with a critical eye, so we're taking notes and we're, you know, we're not just sitting back and enjoying it. So it's fun to actually <laughs> – you know, I get to go back now with all the knowledge that I've gained over the years, watch episodes again and have a deeper meaning to them now because we've talked about it you know, yeah you've brought up things I would never even consider mm. so yeah so it's it's been a, a it's been a fun journey and like I said I know this keeps sounding like it's gonna be the end and who knows it, it might be but Right now, I, I do plan on doing some listener conversations. I may pick, like, favorite episodes. And we may discuss them. Um, Meds might jump in if he has time here and there on things. Like I said, we may mm. watch an episode in Aftermash. Who knows? Just uh, not the whole series, yeah. but an episode might be fun no. to watch. Or Walter. <laughs> Maybe we'll watch Walter. Uh, you know, watch, a, watch that to see if, uh, you know, give our thoughts on that. But who knows? But again, I just want to thank everyone for 11 amazing years of talking M.A.S.H., and it's not the end, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you guys again soon. So, uh, until next time, I'm Kenny. And I'm Simon. And we'll be seeing ya. Follow Hawkeye, Trapper, Duke, Dago Red, Painless, Radar, Hot Lips, Dish and Staff Sergeant Vollmer as they put our boys back together again. Starring Donald Sutherland, Elliot Gould, Tom Skerritt, Sally Kellerman, Robert Duvall, Joanne Flug, Rene Aubergenois, Roger Bowen, Gary Berghoff, David Arkin, John Chuck, Fred Williamson, Indus Arthur, Tim Brown, Corey Fisher, Bud Cord, Carl Gottlieb, Don Damon, Tamara Horrocks, Ken Primus, Danny Goldman, Kim Atwood, Michael Murphy, G. Wood, Rick Nealon, and Bobby Troop. Goddamn army. That is all.
1: Check out the latest podcast to hit this quadrant, the Geek Roundtable. Join hosts as they sit down with fellow geeks to talk, well, geek. Star Wars, Star Trek, cosplay, fantasy, anime, Firefly, even My Little Pony. If it's geeky, we'll discuss it. King Arthur had his roundtable for his nights. And now it's time for us geeks to have ours. Come join in the fun and geek out with the Geek Roundtable. Find us on iTunes by searching the Geek Roundtable. Or visit our website, thegeekroundtable.com.
0: MASH 4077 Podcast is a geeky fanboy production and has a creative commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, works 3.0, United States license, all rights reserved.